you're you're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and I have the tremendous honour of um, sitting with virtually sitting with Sister Stanislaus Kennedy, uh, a good Kerry woman, which is where my mother was from. Um, mm. Well, yes, we'll talk about that maybe later too. But Sister Stan has done tremendous work over the years, has been very involved in Irish society. Um, a role that is, I would have to say, would have been uncommon for a member of a religious community, because in many ways, members of the religious community were um, maybe disencouraged from being vocal, from being outspoken, from taking a position uh, and challenging the norms or the modes of society. And Sister Stan has been quite outspoken in all of her career um, and her vocation. And what brought me to Sister Stan in this situation is a book that was published earlier this year, Finding Hope, where she reached out to a very large section, a broad section of Irish and beyond Ireland community and asked them to put pen to paper and reflect on hope during COVID. And it is a wonderful, beautiful book, uh, beautifully compiled from little bits of prose to poetry and just prayers. Um, first of all, Sister Tafalcharot, Tahahas, more Aram Gwiltun Show, on Law Show. Me and Margaret, yeah, yeah. So, Aram Savan, so, come on. So, did I, was I fair in what I said there about that you probably would not have been encouraged within your vocation to be a, to be an outspoken advocate? Uh, you know, that's, that would be true. Um, I, no, we wouldn't have been encouraged to, to be outspoken. And it often in my youth, in my young days, it got me into trouble um, with the congregation. But on the whole, on the whole, they were supportive. I suppose I, when I was young, professed, I was, went to Kilkenny to work in Kilkenny with Bishop Birch. And he was a very liberal bishop, very committed um, uh, to the community, to lay people and to justice. And he spoke out a lot about injustice and poverty and various things. And I was there as a a young nun and I was learning uh, uh, about the needs, but I was also learning that it was one thing to respond to needs, which was quite another thing to look at why why people were poor, why people were disadvantaged, uh, why people with special needs were treated the way they were. So I suppose it it clearly said to me, it's important that you look at the why, because otherwise you can go on doing the same thing over and over again if you're not looking at the causes. And, and, And looking at the causes meant speaking about the causes. So that's how I learned at a very young age the importance of speaking out against injustices in Irish society. And sister, growing up in Kerry, like you growing up in in rural Ireland, um, could, and that would was at a time when all, all um, rural Ireland, particularly, would have been relatively poor. Um, mm-hmm. 
so as Irish society developed, it developed, as is the case in many cases, uh, with inequity. So um, how or where did you um, see that those inequities were, were, in a sense, creating divide in Ireland? Well, it was very clear to me when I was in the Guinea, uh, the, the, um, the divide, the economic divide, the social divide. And that was in the 60s, the early 60s. In the early 60s, Ireland began to change. There was the beginning of economic growth. Mm-hmm. And there was the phrase that was used over and over again, the rising tide of economic growth will lift all votes. But I could see very clearly it didn't lift all votes. In fact, a number of votes, many votes, were left behind and got stuck in the sand. And they were really the, 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 they were really the people on the margins. They were really the poor. They were really disadvantaged. So it was very clear that economic pro- it wasn't enough to have economic progress. We also had to have social responsibility. Um, so it was visible to me. Um, and um, and so I, I tried to do something about it. Then I was appointed by the government to be chair of the First Combat Poverty Agency. And I was chair of that, and that was a big position because it was a... Uh, the government get, get funded it, and we had we established pilot schemes to combat poverty around the country. So, and that took me right around Ireland to different parts, creating, setting up projects, different kinds of projects, community development projects, welfare rights projects, and in all those places I could see the divide. And the, the combat poverty agency was about doing something about that divide. So, I suppose I got opportunities in my life. To see it, I got the opportunity, or I took the opportunity to speak out against it. Mm. And then, Sister, as a result of that, and the Combat Poverty Agency particularly, would you say that you had been able to influence some degree of change or that the politicians were listening and that as a result of what you could present to them, that it, it did translate into any degree of policy that helped? Yeah, well, I suppose I would hope so. It's very hard to know, you know, how influential you are. But things did change. And I could see, you know, the things we were looking for did come come to to be, to happen. Uh, not immediately, of course, but over time. And I suppose one of the things I did do was to get other people with me to attract other people into organizations, into also being the voice. So it wasn't just me. It was all the people who joined me. And I would say that about my life in general, the organizations I set up, I was only just the one at the beginning, uh, but who who was able to draw a lot of people into it, who made it, uh, many of them, much more creative, much more capable than I was, but I had no fear of that. And, and but they made things happen that I wouldn't have been able to make happen. So then let's move along to COVID and um, the initiative to um, reach out to some of the people who were uh, co- who contributed to the book. I know we all struggled during COVID and it was particularly hard on people that in any type of isolation. 
Uh, we all got to experience some of that. What stimulated you to reach out to the people who ultimately contributed? I suppose, first of all, I had the idea, you know, uh, about uh, hope. Because uh, it was, it was so tough, you know, COVID, uh, it was so tough on people, so tough on some people in particular. And um, the whole isolation uh, and the whole problem with sickness and hospitals and all that, um, but I, I was aware of how difficult it was. And for myself, I suppose I was fortunate or unfortunate. I had my knee replaced just a month before COVID struck. So I couldn't do much anyway. I could only just barely walk around the garden for, uh, for a number of months. So I, um, but I was acutely aware of how people were devastated. And I suppose hope was important. I suppose hope was important in my life always. St. Augustine said that hope had two lovely daughters, uh, anger and courage. Anger, to be angry with what was wrong, but then the courage to do something about it. And that created hope. And I believe that myself because, I mean, seeing injustices and all that sort of thing in my life, it, it did it did make me angry. Um, but I also did something about it, which gave me hope. So I was conscious of hope as a very important virtue uh, in life. So I decided to write, and I wrote to people, people I knew and people I didn't know. But I selected them all as people who would have experience of hope or who would have done things and expressed hope. And and uh, I wrote to nearly 80 people, I think, and uh, from different walks of life, from different situations in life, yeah, from the seashore up or down or wherever you want to go. But, um, and so it worked, and people really, and it was wonderfully encouraging to see the way people responded and responded, and I knew they were genuine because, I mean, they were all so personal that they were, they were their story. Uh, and so it, it worked itself. It, it became a book, you know, we compiled it, but it, it required very little editing because they wrote, I asked them to write it with so many words, you know, and, and people did. Um, which was marvellous to see. I mean, it just shows we have wonderful people in Ireland with hope. Um, so that's how, how that happened, yeah. Of all the articles or all the little, um, nuggets of hope that came back to you. Was there anything that caused you to stop in your tracks and kind of say, wow, I didn't expect that this from that person or I'm totally blown away with that? Yeah. Well, they were all, you know, they were all different and they were very all true to themselves. Which Charlie Boyd was one, for example, you know, I knew I used to know, I knew Charlie for a long time, um, RT. And, uh, he wrote about his friends, how friends have given him hope and still give him hope. And um, and he came up, I, I dedicated it to Charlie Bird uh, because I knew the suffering he was experiencing with motor neurons. And um, 
But when I had written it down, I said I'd take it out to see him. He said, no, 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 I've come to see. So he came. He came to the sanctuary and received them. But, and he, he, he really spoke that day and he said, you know, it's all the friendship and all the support. I have no fear of death because of all that now, which was wonderful yeah, uh, to hear. Um, that's just one example of, you know, they, they were all, they were all unique. They were all, they were all memorable. Yeah. Yeah, I look here at Charlie's and said, what gives me hope now, even though I have a terminal illness, is very simple. Friendship. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. It's great. Yeah. It is. It is powerful. Um, mm. And again, Charlie is such an example. Yes. He's uh, such an example of, oh gosh, of being positive with, because uh, motor neurons is such a devastating uh, disease. It is. It is disturbing to watch, not a mind to endure. You know, so it's yeah. He's great. He's great courage. Yeah, mm. and hope now. Yeah. So, in all the little vignettes that are in here, <clears throat> um, the I guess you you managed not to put one in yourself. Hmm. Um, <laughs> if I'm to say what is your hope what would your hope be my hope I think comes from my faith you know in the, my, I have a strong faith and I really believe uh, uh, that the God who put me here will always be with me and always will see me to the end and beyond the end, and that is that is steadfast. And um, even when things are difficult, I can pray, and I believe, you know, that between the prayers will be answered in some way. Maybe not the way I'd like it, but in some way, yeah. So that's where my hope comes from. Yeah. I want to let the listener know where they can find uh, your. Um, work, the the book and all. The book is Finding Hope and it's compiled by Sister Stan and it is not your only compilation. Uh, you've you've had you've had a few others. What other? Yes. Oh yeah. I had one before this which was Finding Peace and yeah, that was the same idea with different people, writing to different people. But I suppose in, over the years I've written a number of books they're more um, meditative kind of books Mm-hmm. Books. Um, some of them with thoughts for the day you know, Gardening the Soul was one of the first and that was it took the different seasons and then it had a thought for each day in each of the seasons that's just one and the others were kind of all about um, meditation and peace and quiet and stillness I also wrote uh, an autobiography, which was The Road Home, Sister Sam, The Road Home. And uh, prior to that, I had written more sociological stuff, you know, and I'd um, uh, you know, written on, I wrote about Kilkenny when I was there, um, Who Should Care. And then uh, when I started working with the homeless, I did started with research on the nature and extent of homelessness amongst women, and we wrote that up in a book called um, but where can I go? And then there were other books, really, 
around homelessness uh, and poverty. But then, I suppose for the past 20 years, there were more uh, spiritual books um, that I that I just put together. I suppose they were just they were you could say they were extra in my life, but they were they were part of my life, really. Yeah, yeah. Sister, do you have to structure your day or your week in order to find time to use to to write? Because I, I'm, I'm in the world we live in now, things are somewhat frenetic, and mm-hmm. uh, there's. I remember when it was a case of the introduction of email, it said it would release us from paper, and all it did was it encouraged uh, that you had to respond faster to more things. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, yeah, 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 that's true. I suppose I, I, I'm quite organised, and I have quite an organised day, even now, you know, in my in my 80s, um, you know, I would rise early and I would pray, I would walk, I would go to Mass, and then I would have time. I, I would be. I I follow my calendar. I fill my calendar in, you know, on on my phone, so I know exactly what I'm doing at different times. So there would be within that there would be times to be quiet, to be to meditate, to pray, or to write a bit. So it should be. That, that's the way I live. Right. Uh, however long I'd be able to live like that, I don't know. But I mean, that's I'm. I've I've had to have be organised in order to do. What I did, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Sister, it's been a real honour. I do want to advise people, veritasbooksonline.com will lead you to where you can get your hands on Sister Stan's book, Finding Hope. And uh, I'm sure you can also get it on Amazon. And I think it's available on Amazon.ca, so it would be available without having to be shipped from Ireland. Um, I really do appreciate you taking the time. And I know a host scheduled you are and thank you so much indeed sister yeah you're delighted delighted to speak to you um, and thank you for doing the interview it's great and I wish you the the very best with your work and your program which is also spreading the good news uh, you know and changing people's lives yeah yeah yeah